Father, we recognize this morning that praise is the pathway to your heart. And so, Lord, some of us have come this morning to get something from you. Um, some of us have come this morning to do something for you. Some of us uh, have come because we're living under fear and we're trying to turn that away. Some of us have come here to use you to our own ends. Your desire is not that we would do things for you or take things from you, that we would live under you with fear or over you to our own ends. You just want to be with us. And so, um, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be near, that we would encounter your presence in a fresh way, that you would silence distractions. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, I, I just feel like maybe I want to be very careful. I feel like the Lord might be saying to be watchful for what feels like an acceptable amount of distraction in this next moment that we're going to spend together. So if you need to get out your phone and silence it, would you do that? If you, um, But I, I think what we often kind of receive is like a normal amount of of like distraction um, is actually pushes God to the edges just a little bit more. Um, we had an awesome day of prayer uh, on Wednesday. So there were like 40 people that signed up to pray throughout the day. Uh, we had a prayer gathering then Wednesday night via Zoom and somebody in that gathering experienced physical healing, um, which is really cool. And so um, if that freaks you out, that's okay because it kind of freaks me out too. Um, but we're just taking Jesus at his word and, and doing that, which is really great. Um, so we met as an oversight team this week, and our desire is to continue in-person worship through Christmas, barring any kind of purple alert. Um, and then speaking of Christmas and helping get stuff out of the shed and all of that kind of stuff, we have made a change to the way that we are going to do Christmas candlelight. And we'll release more information about this this week, but here's what's happening. I'm excited this morning to welcome you to what I'm calling the Regen Hallmark Special 2020. And so uh, knowing that uh, Christmas Candlelight, we've had 168 people in this room before, which is laughable uh, given the way that we have to distance and do all of that right now. Uh, we, use, we have done multiple services. We know that's a service that you want to invite your friends and family to and that registrations make that difficult. And so on December 20th at 5 p.m., we will be having Regen's Very Merry Christmas. And here's what that will look like. It will be outside. Uh, Nova will be here with Christmas donuts and hot chocolate. If you have a fire pit, like one of those bowls, this is a BYOF event. Okay, this is a bring your own fire event. Bring a chair. We're going to have fires. We're going to be in the back parking lot. And then there will be a short service at the end of the night, about 20 minutes, where we'll sing some carols. Uh, I will preach the briefest message that you have ever heard me preach. Uh, and in case you're wondering, yes, it's significantly harder to preach a 10-minute message than it is to preach a 40-minute 40 one, 40 one. And so that's what that will look like. That'll be December 20th at 5 p.m. Uh, and we're really excited about that. Would encourage you to pray for no rain. Now, here's the only other thing we need. We need a single woman and a single man in our church who cannot stand each other, who we will cast opposite one another in a nativity play. 
um, then what will happen is in the rehearsals for that nativity play they will suddenly discover they f have fallen in love and as we gather around a christmas tree holding candles singing silent night i will do their wedding as it snows <laughs> we'll sell it to hallmark none of us will have to tithe for a year it'll be great <laughs> so that's that's the plan so uh, but that'll be December 20th and more stuff's coming at you uh, this week. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. And let's turn to Psalm 42. Thanks for flexing with us last weekend too. We had to move online. I'm feeling much better. I have a negative COVID test to prove it. And we have figured out a way to not have to do a Saturday night scramble as best we can ever again. Um, if, I was, if I had gotten a positive test uh, this week, what would be happening right now is you would be here and a pre-recorded sermon would be playing on the screens. And so we're going to have Kyle write another sermon. It will be called, In Case of Emergency, Break Glass. And uh, if we ever have to do a scramble again, that's what that will look like. So Psalm 42, let me read it to you. This is a passage that kept coming up for me during the day of prayer. And so I felt like a nudge to pray it would be good. So Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for my food while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked along the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy, giving thanks at the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, the land of Mount Mitzar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones, they scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So is this a judgment-free zone? Okay, you need to nod at me because I'm about to make a confession. So is this a judgment-free zone? Okay, we started putting up Christmas decorations yesterday. Oh, good, there was no like, <gasps> okay. Uh, you know, it was warm out on Friday, so I said, let's put out the outside stuff. Well, Jack really likes pretty trees. That's what he calls them, pretty trees. So one thing leads to another. Let's just get the fall stuff down, and then that's done. And, oh, well, let's just bring some Christmas stuff up, and then we'll just put it in the bedroom. Okay, well, why don't we go ahead and get the tree? He likes the pretty trees. So here's the thing. We've committed to uh, pre-lit trees. I don't know why. I think that's a silly mistake. But we have these pre-lit trees. I think we've bought a new one every year we've been married because like the two years ago new one dies, right? So I'm on to them, we have a new plan. But the point is, so I, I get this tree out and I get the bottom thing plugged in, the whole thing works, we're rolling. So I get the middle section, pop it on there, middle section works. I get that top section, we're ready to go. I pop it on there and there's this six inch band of dead lights 
like right at the top of the tree. And I looked at Steph and I was like, sounds about right for 2020, doesn't it, right? Like not totally destroyed, but just like six inches of lights missing, right? What I've been noticing among you, among my, the people I see on social media, just kind of the air we're breathing is discouragement. Not fear or anxiety, which is like what March and April and May were like. Not wondering what is the winter going to look like, but discouragement. Discouragement from the ongoing unpredictability of our moment. Discouragement from decision fatigue, just having to make endless decisions about how are we going to do this, how are we going to do that, and having to think through it all the way. It's discouragement from hearing of another friend being tested. It's a discouragement from a family member being quarantined because of possible exposure. Maybe most discouraging is changing holiday plans. And at a deeper level, that discouragement comes from trauma. The problem with our cultural moment, which has kind of adopted psychological language for even the most simple of explanations, is that we've tended to overuse the word trauma in a way that makes us feel like a person isn't really being honest when they're talking about an experience of trauma. But here's the reality. You and I this year have experienced trauma. And here's what trauma is. There's two types. One type of trauma is the presence of a harmful thing. And another type of trauma is the, is the absence of a nurturing thing. So one type of trauma is the presence of a harmful thing. Another type of trauma is the absence of a nurturing thing. We have spent the last six months with the presence of a harmful thing and the absence of a nurturing thing. The absence of those things that nurture us. Isolated incidents of trauma are common for all of us. We have all been traumatized in one way or another. And most of those experiences of trauma, we have the emotional resources to process them appropriately and then move on. Every once in a while, we experience a trauma so significant and so real that if we don't process that in a healthy way, often in the presence of a trained professional, we get stuck there. And being stuck in trauma, the most extreme form of that is post-traumatic stress disorder. We have all been through trauma, and the only question remaining is how we're dealing with it. It's not, no, I'm mature, I'm emotional, I'm impervious to trauma. That's what the people who are trying to deny and dismiss what's going on in coronavirus are doing. But others of us are getting angry, others of us are getting anxious, and whether you're dismissing or denying or getting angry or responding with fear and anxiety, all of that is a response to the trauma that we've experienced. It's not a question of, have I experienced trauma? It's a question of, how am I dealing with it? And really, at the core of all of that, of the denying and dismissing and the anger and the fear, there's discouragement. There's just discouragement. I felt discouraged last weekend when we had to do a Saturday night shuffle because I wasn't feeling well. I felt discouraged on Tuesday when after I'd been with other people, after Steph and Jack had been with other people, I, my doctor said, I think it might be a good idea to get a COVID test. I felt discouraged uh, by the idea of having to call someone and say, hey, I, I tested positive, you need to stay home. I felt discouraged. Actually, I felt downright afraid of having like a jousting rod shoved into my sinus. And praise the Lord, it was just the tickle, you know? I mean, I've picked boogers deeper up in there, you know what I mean? It's... 
So my question this morning is, what do we do with discouragement? What, what do we do with discouragement? To answer, we look at Psalm 42. And, and Psalm 42, let's, let's start in verses 6 and 7 that say, say this, Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mitzar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. The psalmist finds himself displaced. He's far from home. Where's home? Well, most likely in Jerusalem, where the psalmist would spend time leading worship. That's what he talks about in verse 5 of, or excuse me, verse 4, walking among the crowds of worshipers, leading a procession of the house of God. That's something that a priestly worshiper would do living in Jerusalem. But instead of it live, being in Jerusalem, the, the psalmist is at Mount Mitzar and Mount Hermon. It's the headwaters of the Jordan River. Circumstances have changed for the psalmist, and that change has left the psalmist discouraged. And the waters tumbling down from the mountain, coursing over the rocks, splashing onto the shore, the psalmist looks at that and says, that is exactly how I feel. The discouragement is washing over me like a tumult of raging waves, like a surging tide coming over me. The psalmist is displaced. He's far from home. And here's the matter of fact, you and I are too. That might be like geographical in terms of this person that you wanted to see, that person you want to see this Thanksgiving. We're not going to see them. We're going to have to have a Zoom call instead. Might be a loved one in a nursing home that you can't get inside to visit. Could be grandkids that you had high hopes to see that you're not. But a lot of us, it's just metaphorical. This is not the world that we are meant to live in. You, you and I aren't used to sitting six feet apart from each other wearing masks in church. Until a couple months ago, we weren't taking every kid's temperature and every volunteer's temperature, and they were going back into kids' ministry. We've been displaced. Not only is the psalmist displaced, the psalmist is disadvantaged. He's being mistreated by his enemies. In verse 3, he says, Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? So he's displaced, he's disadvantaged, and all of this has left him discouraged. He's discouraged, so the psalmist prays in verses 5 and 11. By the way, he repeats himself. When the Hebrew author repeats themselves, that's something to pay attention to. They did not have endless reams of paper, endless ink, endless pens to write with. So when, a, when, when the Hebrew Bible repeats itself, it's, it's like when you and I bold and italicize and underline something or highlight it, okay? He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? It's like he even needs to look inside to figure out what's going on himself, inside of him. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. It's like he's telling himself, I, I'm going to praise him again. My Savior and my God. Throughout Psalm 42, the word discourage, it appears three times. The word sadness appears twice. The psalmist speaks of having a broken heart, of having broken bones, of eating tears for food. He's, so, he's crying so deeply and so often that at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, tears are staining his food. In verse, verse 4, the psalmist can remember happier times, but those happier times are like a mockery. As if he's saying, I wish I would have enjoyed then what I can't have now. 
In verse 9, the psalmist goes so far as to say, I feel like I have been forgotten by God. Psalm 42, it's, it's a taxonomy of discouragement. It's a dictionary of grief. You, you, you may feel sad this morning. You may feel like I have a low-grade fever of discouragement, like a 98.9, 99.1. You might be grieving. You may feel overwhelmed by a broken heart, and you may be feeling none of these. And if that's you, let's just give it a minute. Psalm 42 covers the full range of human sadness, and it sums all of that up in this word, discouragement. So when we're discouraged, what do we do? The psalmist tells us that in his heartbreak, in his discouragement, he turned to God. The psalmist says, I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. How does he remember? Well, he says, through the night I sing the Lord's songs. I pray to the God who gives me life. The psalmist, in the midst of his sorrow, turns to God, and he realizes this, that his sorrow, his discouragement, his disappointment, they are a signal. They're a sign. They point beyond themselves to something deeper and more pervasive a longing, a yearning for God. The psalmist begins this thesaurus of sadness with these words. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for for God, for the living God. He says, when can I go stand before him? He just wants to get near to God. When I, when I get thirsty, when you get thirsty, you get a dry mouth. Your, your tongue feels a little sandy. You say, I, I need some water. Those signals of thirst for our body are what sadness and discouragement are for the soul. They signal a hunger and thirst for God. They signal that we are hungry for him, that we are thirsty for his presence. And in my mind's eye, I, I see the psalmist standing by the Jordan River, and he's watching the waters rush down, and he's thinking, man, that's how I feel. I feel submerged in this. I feel overwhelmed by this. I feel swept up by this. And then the water just happens to turn, and it hits a rock, and it causes it to spray. And across his face, in the heat of a day, he feels a cool, gentle mist. And he's refreshed. And suddenly the river rushing by him is more than a reminder of his discouragement. It's actually a reminder of the reality of God's goodness. Because in verse 8 he says, Each day the Lord pours out on me his unfailing love. Listen, the... The image of this psalm primarily is liquid, right? He looks at this river rushing by. He speaks of his thirst. But the climax of all of this imagery is in verse 8. Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. Listen, he's specific. The Lord doesn't just give or provide or offer. He pours. 
He pours. He pours his unfailing love on thirsty people like water on thirsty ground. He pours his steadfast love not just every once in a while, but every day. Lamentations 3 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. For every day of our discouragement, for every moment of our misery, there is a love poured out on us. And I can't help but wonder if Paul had Psalm 42 in mind when he was writing Romans 5. If you got your Bible, just flip, to, flip over to Romans 5. Romans 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 5. And look at verse 3. Romans 5 through, through 5, some of Stephanie Tennant's favorite passages in the Bible. Paul says, we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Psalm 42 seems to be about problems and trials, does it not? For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope will not lead to disappointment. It will not lead to discouragement because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen, in the midst of our discouragement and our problems and trials, in the midst of our discouragement and displacement and sadness, in the midst of a 2020 that has been weird, keeps being weird, and probably in like the five weeks it has left will probably continue to get weirder, Paul and the psalmist make a radical claim. We have a hope that does not disappoint. A hope secured by and provided by the Holy Spirit who is the living channel of God's love. The Holy Spirit is a sign that we belong to God in the same way my ring is a sign that I am married. It is a seal that cannot be broken. He is a seal that cannot be broken. And it is true, listen, it is true that there are moments where we are more in touch with the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit and his nearness and his comfort. And that there are moments, probably far more, where we are more out of touch with the reality of his comfort and his nearness and his presence. It is true that in grief and in sorrow and in disappointment, all of us wonder where God has gone. That is the truth, but can I tell you that is not the whole truth. The whole truth is that God has given us himself. The whole truth is that God hasn't given us something to help us get by. He has given us himself so that in the midst of our disappointment, he is not far from any one of us. In these strange and, and, and discouraging days, I, I want to invite you to see discouragement as the doorway 
to a deeper encounter with God. I want to help you see discouragement as the doorway to a deeper encounter with God. Discouragement, sorrow, grief, trauma, we tend to perceive those and experience them as an obstacle between us and God. Here I am, there's God, and in between him and I is my sorrow, my disappointment, my grief, that there's this wall between us. But if we looked closer, I want to help you see this morning what God sees. If you look a little closer, you'll see that in that wall there's a doorknob. And by faith we reach out and we grasp that. By prayer we reach out and we grasp that and we turn it and we open it and we find on the other side a deeper encounter with God. It turns out that what first looked like distance was actually closeness. An invitation to draw near to the God who gives us life. What we find is that disappointment and sorrow and grief are hunger pangs revealing a deeper longing for God. Augustine says, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Disappointment and discouragement and grief drive us to look for comfort. Which is why in March I was baking every day. Not so much as to start my own baking company, but I was baking every day. There was a baked good within reach at all times. Because in my discouragement and my sorrow and my confusion, nothing worked better than a cinnamon roll. Right? Nothing worked better than another glass of wine with dinner. Nothing worked better than losing myself in a really gripping TV show on Netflix. See, in those moments where we experience grief and disappointment and discouragement, we, there's an inward drive that God put there toward comfort. And he put it there not to send us driving after lesser things, but after him. To help us go to God. And my friends, the good news this morning is that God delights in moving toward us in our discouragement. Not only is our discouragement the doorway to a deeper encounter with God, we open that door and we find before we've even taken a step into it that God has already rushed through its frame to meet us. He delights in drawing near to us and our disappointment. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. But do you know what else Psalm 34 says? Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Jesus picks up this imagery and says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the living water. He says, if anyone eats my flesh and drinks my blood, they will never be thirsty again. Not only is discouragement the doorway to a deeper encounter with God, not only does God delight in drawing near to us in our discouragement, God is overjoyed to satisfy us in the morning with his unfailing love. For us to enjoy him, not just today, but forever.
Today I want to invite you to encounter God. And so for our response time this morning, I want to invite you to turn to God. So let me invite you to pray. Into a moment of prayer with me. And can I invite you this morning, whether you're here in the room or if you're joining online, to bring to the front of your mind the place of your discouragement. Can I, can I invite you this morning to bring to the front of your mind the place, uh, that, 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 that place of your discouragement, the place of your grief? Psalmist says, I was deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Holding that in your mind, can I invite you to invite Jesus into that space? Would you say in, in your heart, Jesus, come on in? Jesus, at Christmas time, we find out is our Emmanuel, our God with us who delights in making his presence known in our discouragement. And maybe if you're having trouble kind of connecting with God in this way, it might be helpful to start by thinking about something you're grateful for, to stir up some appreciation, And then to return to that moment of discouragement and ask Jesus to show himself where you are. And what you're doing right now is turning to God. What you're doing right now is through prayer reaching out to open the door to see that God delights drawing near to us in our discouragement. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray over each one as they sit with their discouragement, whether it's about this Thanksgiving or something totally unrelated. Father, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to unveil our eyes so that we can see you, Jesus, standing in that place with us, that you have an arm around our shoulder, that you have a hand in the small of our back, that you're right there in it with us. And I pray, Father, that all of those places that we have run for um, satisfaction and, and, and that are outside of you, that today you would replace that with a hunger and thirst for you and that we would be satisfied in that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Could I invite you? We're going to stand and kind of sing over one another. Uh, what is true this morning. May you taste and see that the Lord is good this week. You are loved. We'll see you next week.